We have all had times that have been challenging, whether we've felt depressed, anxious, had setbacks, and stress. So I am so glad to have the wonderful Seth Swirsky on the program. I am in love with his book, 21 Ways to a Happier Depression, a creative guide to getting unstuck from anxiety, setbacks, and stress. Seth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. Right when I got this book, I thought, what an interesting idea. A happier depression. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, um, when we're feeling those those you know down days, down moments, whether it's depressed or anxious, uh, sometimes when you can do some things that uh, give you a sense of accomplishment, small things, small things, um, it really can lift you. Just even if it's five or ten percent, it feels like fifty percent. And you know, when you cut depression in half, or you just take a slice out of anxiety, that's almost like uh, it, it really helps the engine rev a little bit. I'm not talking about curing it. I'm not talking about uh, you know it's, it's going to automatic you automatically uh, cure cure something that you're that you've been battling with. But you know, sometimes it's these small ideas that happen that I've noticed have worked for me personally over the years. And then um, I introduced them to many of my own patients, and uh, they seem to work. So I wanted to share that with people. I'm so glad that you did. I love a number one paint box. Sometimes I feel stuck like I'm in a box and can't get out. And I don't mean that literally, although sometimes I do find it hard to leave my apartment. What I mean is I get stuck in my own patterns and ways of doing things, stuck in communicating the same way about the same things with the same people. And what I love is that you actually recommend painting. And I think it's such a nice creative outlet. And I love that analogy of of being in the box because I think a lot of us have felt that way. Yes, and I don't mean painting writ large where you have to buy a easel and a canvas and spend all this money. And most sure. people think, well, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to paint. Look, when you feel depressed or anxious, you don't know how to do anything or you don't want to do anything. So yeah. I'm not suggesting this major change all of a sudden that you're going to draw horses and paint them in a field of, open, you know, <laughs> you're going to become Monet tomorrow. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean it on a very, very doable level, buying a small, watercolor set with just regular little paper. It shouldn't cost you more than $9. And it's the act, actually, of just painting. And what I suggest is just paint circles and just paint squares. Really, because it's in the act of doing it that you actually help your mind get off your mind. And once we... I like uh, that. Yeah, once we relieve ourselves of that, once we actually stop our minds from grooving on the negative... We turn around and go, wait a minute, that was good that I just that I just did that. And at the end of at the end of the whole thing you have a nice little picture. That is true. And you know, coloring has become a big thing. What do you think about the coloring book thing that's happening now with I see it everywhere. I've actually done shows about it and I notice that when I'm feeling anxious if I could or stressed out, I get totally in the moment and that mindfulness kicks in because I have to stay within the lines and you end up with a beautiful picture. Maybe it's not so beautiful, but at least you're focused on something else. Absolutely. Anything to me that helps you just say, I'm going to do a different activity that that actually helps your mind stop grooving. That's an important word because it's almost like well, we used to play old albums and records with a needle on top of the record, and, and you know, you saw the grooves go around. 
That's what happens with our minds. You know, we get on an idea, and what, and if we feel really down, and, I, and I'm using down slash anxious right here as a general general thing. What we do is we tend to um, not just obsess about it, but we kind of go over and over and over, and it has no good function for us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us climb out of that pit. And what I try to do with these 21 ways is um, give you new tools. Uh, to be able to climb out. And uh, really, that, that was the purpose of the book. These are things that have worked for me as a, as a songwriter. I was a songwriter for many, many years. I, I mean, I still am. But then I got my master's in clinical psychology and got patients, and, and I have a practice and everything. And uh, I was just giving people these, these little tips along the way. And before I knew it, I said, why don't I just put it into a book? And it seems to be helping people. Yeah, I find it very helpful. Well, talk to us about your own experience in terms of having clinical depression or more just feeling down about things, stress of life. Talk to us about that. Well, I had a lot of success. I got out of, I went to Dartmouth College. I graduated with honors. You would think, wow, that's wonderful. I went to New York City, and before I knew it, Air Supply was recording my songs. I had gold records oh, right wow. away. I was all of, all of 24 years old, writing for the biggest artists in the world, Smokey Robinson and Celine Dion and and uh, it should have been really great, but I just, it's almost like I slipped into what I describe as, I felt like my uh, my head was underwater, but my nostrils were just barely above the water, like I was surviving it, but just barely, just barely getting air. And, um, you know, you could say it's genetic, you could say it's uh, fear of success and all the, whatever you know, there could have been a thousand reasons to it, but it produced such overwhelming anxiety. And I just noticed I developed some of these coping skills along the way that helped. And um, I never wrote them down. I just kind of, you know, I used them actually to survive. And I'm using the word survival in a way of we all know what that feels like when you just feel so terrible. Uh, sometimes anxiety leads to depression because. You, you know, it's depressing not to be able to get out of those anxious feelings, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you definitely. Really, right? You know what I'm talking about. Then I got my master's in clinical psychology a number of years ago, and uh, everything kind of coincided uh, with when I had my own patients. As I mentioned to you, I, I would tell them these certain things, and before I knew it, it was helping them. And they would say, oh, your idea about painting, now I have my own now I've been painting real works, you know, and and other little things like just changing your pictures in your house when you're feeling when you're feeling down. Just if you change pictures, it gives you a sense of renewal. Like, you know, you, you might be looking at pictures on tables and you've always liked those pictures, but you know, you don't have to throw them out. But it's certainly nice to maybe change them up, put a new picture of one of your friends or of your parents or of your kids something different. You know, I mean, that little things like that go, you have no idea what a long way they go to, to, to renewing yourself. You know, I love this uh, number seven, to thine own self be complimentary. And you talk about when you do something nice, like you drive your kids somewhere and you say, boy, what if you're a good dad? They really appreciate you drive, appreciated you driving them today. I like that because we, yeah, we talk to ourselves in such horrible ways that we never talk to other people. Well, so glad you came up with that one. I think that's at the core of my of the twenty one ways in my book. There's an all again, they're all tools, but that to me is the most important one. And 
uh, it, I, I think it's so important. You know, there have been moments that I said, you know, I, I, I did something for my kids, as you mentioned. Uh, I was in a divorce situation, and but I would still visit my kids at their house, which was my house for a long time. And I would notice I'd still go over and I'd help them with homework every day. And uh, just I just wanted to keep uh, continuity going for them. It was very important. And everything was upbeat and really good. Everything really was good. But when I left the house and I and I just about to get into my car, I'd noticed that I was just so sad. I was so sad. Because, you know, you can imagine why. You know, even though oh, everybody was moving on into a next zone in their li- lives, you still feel a sense of real sadness, like a little bit depressed, too. You know, um, but I, I noticed, I just said out loud to myself, but you're a good dad. You just did something really good. You didn't necessarily have to do that because that was really, really hard for you to do. You could have taken them out to dinner, for instance, or had them over to your house or whatever. You know, you can come up with a whole list of but they needed that. So that was really good of you. And I noticed I was saying it out loud. And I noticed it made me feel better. And so I, that was one of the 21 ways to me. Because I thought if people complimented themselves a little bit more on the everyday things that they do. I mean, people sacrifice every day for their kids, for their work, every day. And they don't even think they deserve that compliment. I maintain they do. And they should voice it out loud. So try it sometime. I mean, actually, I think so too. Yeah. I think it really works. It really works. You know, it's something that you don't always have somebody around to tell you, hey, that was that was really terrific that you went and uh you know <laughs> you you helped you, you you helped your uh you know your parents today uh because they couldn't go and shop for their own food or they couldn't do this or what whatever it happens to be. I just think it's a very good thing to pat yourself on the back. You know, it's very important because there aren't people there to do it all the time. And I mean actually voice it out loud. Do I mean to start talking to yourself in the middle of the grocery store? Well, you know, you don't want to be, you know, hauled off somewhere. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I usually do it in the car. It's kind of a funny thing. And it's not like I talk to myself all day long just to myself, but I do notice that I am saying those things out loud, and I I always feel better. I want to talk about number 13, have something to look forward to, because I'm very honest on the show, and I share with listeners that, you know, I'm going through a hard time right now. This schedule change is really hard, um, being away from home, hanging around in Whole Foods for eight hours. I mean, I did join a gym, which is great, so I can get a lot of work done on my laptop and then go swim or do yoga and come back, but it's still just, it's, it's a lot of pressure right now, and Having something to look forward to, that is number 13, is so huge. Even if you talk about, even if it's like a show that you love, you know, I get really into uh, binge watching shows and I think, oh yeah. my gosh, I can't wait until the next one. And sometimes I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm not going to binge. I'm going to wait a little bit, build up some of the anticipation, or at least try mm-hmm. to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very, very important. I, I know that when yeah. I'm, you know, when I'm not feeling at my best, whether it's if I'm in a super anxious mode or I'm feeling down and I'm out, let's say, let's say I'm out with somebody and I'm trying to get through that lunch. Let's just say, you know, when you, you know, when you, the cloud is, is in your brain. Okay. You know, you oh, know yeah. when that that's happening, but you've got to take that meeting or you've got to do whatever it is that we all have to do every day. 
and you're thinking, God, I feel so down right now, and I'm faking it through this lunge, but I've got to get through it. And it's just, you just feel down. I notice that if you, if you can remind yourself, oh, yeah, that show is on later. You know, one of those serial shows you mentioned from Netflix or, yeah. or, or, or to some people, oh, the, the Knicks are playing tonight. You know, if you, if you like basketball, and that's the team you follow. Oh, good. That game's on tonight. They play Tuesday night. It gives you a little lift. Or if there's a project that you have going at your house that happens to be something that you're enjoying, let's say it's, 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 um, it's just uh, you're, you're filing away a whole bunch of things, but it's giving you pleasure because you're, you're really condensing. So, you, yeah, the room has papers all over it, but you're actually getting somewhere with it, and that's giving you a good feeling right now in your life. And it's a very good thing to kind of say, oh, yeah, I've got that to do later, and that gives me a good feeling. Always good to have something to remind you of because it, it really helps you take you out of that bad feeling. Yeah, it's true. And I think especially when you get in a grind, you know, there might not be some huge, big, exciting thing on the horizon. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I get to go away for vacation, this and that. But if you're not, yeah. like myself, then you just say, okay, well, what are the little things? And one of the little things is, again, right in your book, number 16, Box of Joy. I love this. Yeah. I have a box. I never called it a box of joy, but I have old letters, some of my favorite letters and pictures and souvenirs. And I love you. You write, um, they are reminders of all the enjoyment awaiting for you in your future. Open your box of joy and feel better. I, I'm a big reminiscer. I don't know if that's, I know reminiscing yeah. is a word, but I'm a reminiscer. I love yeah. it. Yeah, me too. And I noticed that when you, if you're going to make this box of joy, in other words, only put things in there that give you pleasure, not things, well, when you're you're going through old things and you think, hey, this would be good for my box of joy, it shouldn't be things you think. You know, I kind of should I kind of should put that in there. I've got a picture of this person, so I need a picture of this person too. Let's just say, for the sake of it, I have this picture of my sister, who I really she always gives me a good feeling. I love this letter from her that she sent me in 1985. I'm, again, I'm just making yeah. it up, but you know, I really should have a picture of my brother in there too even though he never gave you a good feeling. No. No. The box of joy is yours, and everything in it should give you a good feeling. This is yours and yours alone. That's it. It should only give you a feeling that makes every time you look at something new, whether it's a ticket from a, an event you went to, let's say you saw a Hall & Oates concert in 1992, well, you wanted to remember that. That's why you kept the ticket. And it gives you just a flood of good memories. That should go in there. You know, that kind of a thing. It's not only about pictures or letters or tickets or whatever, but it should only make you feel good, and it's only yours, and it can only bring you good feelings. You know, I'm curious, Seth, when did you go from being a songwriter, although you actually are still a songwriter, to a career as a therapist? Talk to us about this. Well, you know, I've done a lot of things in my career, and a lot of them have to do with intimacy. So when I wrote songs for different recording artists, obviously the songs were very, you know, they were intimate. I like writing songs that really tell a story. And then I wrote, a, I did a few books on baseball, um, where I wrote letters to baseball players, old baseball players, guys that played against Babe Ruth back in the 20s that were still alive, all the way up through players that play today. And um, I asked them very intimate questions. You know, was your mom at that game? You know, where you, where you, you know, hit a home run and won the World Series. And they all wrote back. 
So I thought, why? Why are they writing back to me? Why did these? Why did these artists, these recording artists, sing my songs? And then before I knew it, I made a documentary called Beatles Stories, where I went around the world and I interviewed people who had a story, a specific story about them and one or all of the Beatles. So it was Sir Ben Kingsley and Art Garfunkel and uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and uh, people would talk to me. And I thought, you know, this is interesting. They're responding to my letters in baseball. They're responding to my interviews with the Beatles. They were the artists, the songwriters, the art, the recording writers responded to my songs as as a songwriter. I thought maybe um, people like, you know, I like talking to them, and maybe they like revealing to me. And I thought the natural step would be to get my master's in clinical psychology and and see people one on one. And that's how it led to that. You definitely have a very soothing. <clears throat> I will say that again, Randall. You definitely have a very soothing voice. And right away, you get this sense, I can trust this guy. I, I, I <laughs> Thank you. It's very <laughs> nice to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. And you're so right on with this book. Again, 21 Ways to a Happier Depression. I think if people could implement these, it would really help. And you're not talking about, you know, a really deep, dark depression and clinical depression. You're talking about when you're having a hard time, I assume, or, or would you say for people who are clinically depressed, I would think these things would help. I mean, it's not going to cure them, right? But at least it, it will give them a little I'll, lift. Debbie, I'll tell you, the word depression is so loaded. It's a very, yeah, it's, it is. It's, you know, to people that have it on, on you know, at, on, on a level that is just so debilitating. I, I don't mean any disrespect at all. People really have so, you know, it's very, I believe that any ideas are good ideas, you know, because they can, you can dismiss them if you want to. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, you know, I felt that that title really kind of gave, really did describe what I was trying to accomplish in this book. I don't want a workbook. As a matter of fact, and you know, because you have the book in front of you, there's about 20 um, watercolor paintings in that book that really describe, because I like to show people what I'm talking about. The chapters are only two or three pages long. Yeah, I and, love that. And I actually, there's watercolors in there that actually show what I'm speaking of. Um, so you don't really have to, because you know it's, it's hard enough when you're depressed to do anything, but I'm actually yeah. showing what I mean. And I also try to bring a little bit of a lighter feel to things so that it feels like, um, you know, this book is my friend. I can always turn to any page when I'm feeling down, and maybe there's an idea there. Oh, I love that. Well, there's so many great ideas. I mean, I didn't want to share them all because I want people to get the book. <laughs> but Seth, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end today? And this has been such a pleasure having you on. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really do. And the only thing I want to add is that when you're in those negative states, when you're in those states that just feel just like it's so bad, you generally feel like you're never going to get through them. I know I did. I know I did in my 20s. It took me a long time to get through them, and I never really thought I would come out of the other side. But you know what? You do come out of them. You really do. And so I really wanted to write this book and make it and put it out because I just feel like any time you get a chance to add tools to your own toolbox, you know, we only have two tools in our 20s that may help us get through things, but as we go through life, we add tools. So I think it's always valuable to 
to find things that may give us more tools to help us. Because you will get through it, people. But it's my goal was to just help with that from somebody that's been there and that also helps other people, you know, on a daily basis trying to do that too. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it a little bit. Oh, of course. Again, the book is 21 Ways to a Happier Depression, a Creative Guide to Getting Unstuck from Anxiety, Setbacks, and Stress. Seth, tell us all the ways we can find you on social media. Well, you can get the book on Amazon uh, just by typing in 21 Ways to a Happier Depression. And um, I'm happy to say the book is in its second printing already, so it's you oh, know good. quite thrilling, obviously. And um, on on the internet, um, on Facebook, I'm, I'm public on Facebook, Seth Swirsky, and my website is Seth.com. So please visit, and, you know, uh, I just put out a new record album as well with my band, The Red Button. We're being played on Sirius Radio right now. It's kind of a Beatles throwback type band with all original cool. material. So, uh, yeah, um, love to see you. That's fantastic. I will definitely check it out. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy today. Check us out on social media as well. I'm at Health Media Gal one at Talk Healthy, the number two day on Twitter and Snapchat and Talk Healthy Today podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay well.